0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, it's Thursday. Really glad you're here for the Three Martini Lunch. Just one more day and we get to the weekend, Super Bowl weekend, and so many other fun things. Uh, Jim Garrity is here, of course, and we've got good, bad, and crazy martinis, Jim, as you know. Uh, before we get to martini number one, officially, yesterday was day one of Q&A, uh, senators asking questions, or at least having the pages run them to Chief Justice John Roberts, who would then ask the questions to uh, one set of lawyers or the other, sometimes both. And uh, you thought you were going to get really uh, confrontational questions or people really zeroing in on some of the key unanswered points here, but for the most part it was this Republican senator has a question for the president's counsel, or this Democratic senator has a question for the House managers. Isn't the other side's argument just totally flawed? The subtext of a lot of them was
1: You're really right, aren't you?
0: <laughs> I mean, not just a little right.
1: You're really, really right.
0: And yet, even then, some of the lawyers uh, didn't uh, necessarily have the greatest responses. Yet, Alan Dershowitz saying that. Uh, if the president thinks getting re-elected is in the public interest, then he can do whatever he wants. Uh, a lot of conservatives at that point we're kind of given the, the George Stephanopoulos cut the throat uh, line there. Not sure we really want to go there. Uh, another nice uh, argument yesterday was Adam Schiff claiming he didn't know anything about the whistleblower. Uh, so all sorts of uh, – truthfulness going on there. But uh, Jim, our good martini today is it looks like Mitch has the votes. Yesterday we joked about how the headline was McConnell doesn't have the votes, but he thinks he will by Friday. And lo and behold, I think he's going to have the votes by Friday. ABC News now says new witnesses unlikely, whether it's uh, the QA or just the fact that they don't want uh, the Senate to be in limbo until all the court fights were to play out over subpoenaing john bolton or perhaps other figures for testimony in the senate trial it looks like uh, there aren't going to be enough votes to call witnesses we'll see what actually happens on friday abc news looks to be the leader on this uh, saying multiple republicans tell abc news they hope to move quickly to acquit the president within the next two days ahead of his state of the union address on tuesday here's the best part though abc news is trish turner caught up with mcconnell as he arrived at the capitol thursday morning Asked if he has the votes he needs to win the day Friday on witnesses, he responded, we'll see what tomorrow brings. Then when asked if he felt confident about the vote, he turned his head and with a sly grin said, I always do. Doesn't seem like Mitch McConnell lost a lot of sleep about this one last night.
1: No, and you kind of wonder what changed in the last couple of days, because there was a message of a couple of days ago saying, look, we don't know if we have the votes. It's a possibility that there will be witnesses. And, and you know, it could be that... Uh, uh, the Republican senators, and Corey Gardner certainly seems like this was a, a key vote, uh, that he was a guy who had been looking one way, came out, says he doesn't really need to feel like he needs to hear from witnesses. Democrats are saying, ah, this dooms him in November. I really think a lot's going to happen between now and November that I don't think impeachment votes are going to be seen as uh, make or break. And the other thing also is that uh, I don't think procedural votes on the impeachment are going to be make or break. That having been said, Corey Gardner's probably got a tough race in a purple state and shouldn't be underestimated. But I think the other thing is I, I kind of wonder if, Greg, there was almost a, a process of calling the bluff here in that, you know, Democrats since the beginning of it saying you got to have witnesses, you got to have witnesses. We got to hear from Bolton. All these witnesses would, would support our account of things. And if you're a Republican senator, the fear is you vote no. And then people say, oh, impeachment was rushed. They didn't really look at this seriously. They didn't take their duties seriously. Oh, well, how terrible this is. And there's some sort of consequence to that. The bigger, the thing is, though, is that if you decide to have witnesses, well, once you have, you know, Pat Toomey, among others, was floating the, okay, maybe you guys get John Bolton and we get Hunter Biden, you know, the the one-for-one deal. But also, I think once you open the door to any witness, witness number one, well, then you're more likely to get witness number two. And once you've had two witnesses, it makes it easier to have witness number three. And all of a sudden, you're hearing from a whole bunch of witnesses. Now, some people might say, yes, exactly. In a matter as important as impeachment, this should go on, you know, take as much time as you need. Take as long as you need. Hear from everybody you possibly could you know, could have anything relevant to say, let's go with it. If you do that, this doesn't get done by January. This gets done probably in March. And who knows how well into March that is. And as you know, nothing's gotten done in the Senate since this began. And nothing will get done in the Senate until this ends. And you kind of wonder if at some point even the Democratic senators are like – you know, we do have other bills to pass. <laughs> we do have other things we want to do. Uh, and you start running that possibility of, you know, do you end up running in, you know, running for your re-election with this sense of a do-nothing Congress? So we will see how things shake out. It certainly looks like the uh, likelihood of, of witnesses has come down dramatically in the last 24 hours. Considering how the views on impeachment really haven't changed at all since the uh, trial began, I'm not really sure this is
0: going to have those giant political consequences that
1: the pro-impeachment forces seem to think it's going to, Greg. Right?
0: Well, given the fact that huge issues like uh, killing Baghdadi seem to last less than a week, I'm pretty sure impeachment's not necessarily going to be the tip of the tongue issue come uh, early November. What's your sense on this argument out there? I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory, but it's certainly intriguing because, as you've mentioned. Uh, that nothing can happen in the Senate until there's a final vote on conviction or acquittal. And so there's some folks out there going, oh, this is the Democrats' way if they can get witnesses, especially if there's court fights over executive privilege. This, like you said, could go into March or possibly even later. And all of a sudden, not as many judges get confirmed. Uh, If there's a Supreme Court vacancy, there's nothing they can do about it. And it's kind of running out the clock till Democrats hope there's a, uh, a change in majority and certainly a change in the White House.
1: Welcome to political reality, ladies and gentlemen.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about one of those people who wishes uh, they would be the next president. According to the most recent polls, that seems more and more unlikely. But uh, as a result of the fact that she's falling further and further behind, Elizabeth Warren keeps throwing out more and more absurd ideas. Uh, CNBC here. Democratic presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren Wednesday released a plan to fight disinformation and to hold tech companies accountable for their actions in light of the 2016 election. In a tweet Wednesday, Warren said, disinformation and online foreign interference erode our democracy and Donald Trump has invited both. Anyone who seeks to challenge and defeat Donald Trump in the 2020 election must be fully prepared to take this on. And I've got a plan to do it. Warren proposed to combat disinformation by holding big tech companies like Facebook, Twitter and Google responsible for spreading misinformation designed to suppress voters. From turning out, she says she's going to push for new laws that impose tough civil and criminal penalties for knowingly disseminating this kind of information, which has the explicit purpose of undermining the basic right to vote. So, Jim, Elizabeth Warren is going to make it fair, I'm sure, that uh, the government's going to decide who's spreading disinformation and they could face criminal punishment for it.
1: You know, first of all, listeners, I think we should all pause and take a moment to salute greg for his elizabeth warren impression i want to hear it lecturing someone about the distance of their mailbox from the curb in the form of the community uh uh homeowners association that i know is in the tune is uh, is, is in your head as you're doing that greg yes um so the two things that jump out the first ver- example that they give in these sorts of things are the things like you know due to high expe- expectations of high turnout republicans vote on tuesday and registered democrats you're supposed to vote on wednesday those sort of emails and texts that go around. And I i mean, Greg, I have yet to find anybody who has ever thought those emails or texts or joke things were were real. I have yet to run into anybody who's ever said, oh, I I thought the election was on Wednesday. I got this text or this email saying that I wasn't, you know, that's kind of ridiculous. I suppose I could imagine a scenario where someone was giving out sufficient false information that was uh, misleading people about voting, that I would believe that, okay, at this point, now we're getting into a situation of fraud and it should be prosecuted. I suppose if you set up like some sort of like fake website of find your polling place and you directed people to the wrong polling places outside of their districts, all right, maybe we're getting genuinely criminal there. The bigger question there though is like, I have yet to find any voter who's actually been affected by this. Uh, I've written a great deal about Russian disinformation. It is exceptionally hard to find anybody who was influenced by it in part because the, you know, Jesus boxing Hillary uh, and all the other stuff that the Russians were doing was aimed at very cons- people who had self-identified as very conservative on Facebook. So unless you really have some sort of, you know, uh, you know real sense that, you know, I, I was going to vote for Hillary, but then I saw this on Facebook and I decided not to because of that image, uh, I, you know, it's, it's simply not, not all that plausible. And the other thing is that the other real complication of this, it's not just like if you yourself write something that people don't like. It's that if you yourself end up in a situation where the internet service provider ends up being sued, and this is a real cute, and I'm mean, using air quotes as I say, this form of backdoor censorship, in that if you put in a situation where any company that lets something like that go up on over using their, their wires, so to speak, over using their internet service, and you make them potentially liable in court, those companies will start taking that stuff down really fast. Not because they disagree with it, not because they believe that it should be, they do that because... Uh, they're really terrified of, of being sued. They don't want to get caught up in the costly lawsuits, et cetera, et cetera. This is never going to come to, to, to fruition or law. Elizabeth Warren is probably not going to be the Democratic nominee. But all of that said, it's you know kind of unnerving that this is the sort of thing you do if you want to gain votes in the Democratic primary.
0: That's an excellent point. And where I was going to take this, uh, the fact that there is at least the assumption on her part that there's an audience for this that will be receptive to it, Uh, You know, we hear all the time about how Donald Trump is uh, stifling a free press because he calls them fake news. And uh, he's, you know, a grave threat to the First Amendment and so forth. Uh, Pretty sure this is about as grave as a a threat as we've seen in this country.
1: Yeah. And look, ultimately, look, when I was at the uh, Koch winter meeting, a lot of you know, there was a whole panel on freedom of speech. And somebody pointed out a lot of people say they believe in freedom of speech. What they really mean is I believe in freedom of speech for people who agree with me. And it's very easy to do that. Everybody has that mentality of, no, no, I believe everybody should be free to say, but then you get to, well, what about something that's hate speech? Oh, I don't believe people should be saying that. Of course, the definition of hate speech is very elastic. Uh, people genuinely believe that, uh, that they, once it gets into something that really offends them, really bothers them, or they believe has, you know, is, is harmful to society, they like, well, okay, now we need the government to step in and do that kind of stuff. Look, uh, you know, whatever problems you have with the current conditions of speech on the internet, when you make either government in charge of what is considered OK to say on the Internet, or if you make uh, you know, Internet service providers OK to decide, what, particularly what it relates to political speech, you're opening up a Pandora's box and it's going to turn into a really, really bad uh, set of circumstances.
0: And Twitter's trying to do that right now. They say there's no political ads, but issue ads that they agree with are OK right now. Other ones, not so much. So if you're pro-climate change, go for it. If you're pro-life, nah, not so much. All right. In addition to the fantastic insight and dissection that you get here in the Three Martini Lunch, stories like this, uh, politicians pandering, as well as uh, all sorts of uh, cultural lunacy that we're about to talk about in the Crazy Martini, uh, you can get a great dose of it here, obviously. You can also get uh, some pretty good takes on it over at the new podcast from Radio America, The Mock and Daisy common sense cast it's hosted by mock and daisy also known as chicks on the right and every week they can talk about just about anything and everything from parenting to social media and the dangers of that also the craziness of political correctness the importance of marriage they're actually two ladies who are pro men and family values so that's good they're smart they're funny they're conservative they're able to turn political headlines and other cultural headlines into a lot of fun. They believe if you want to make America great again, you need to start in your own home. And you can find out a lot more about the Mock and Daisy Common Sense cast by going to chicksontheright.com or start listening on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. All right, Jim, we promised cultural lunacy in the crazy martini. I think we're going to deliver here. PETA! Yes, PETA is back. People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, they've decided that the greatest menace facing our country in the upcoming days is Punxsutawney Phil. Not Phil himself, of course, the evil, evil humans who exploit Phil, and it's time for that to change. So Ingrid Newkirk, president of PETA, has written a sternly worded letter to the Punxsutawney uh, Groundhog Club. She says uh, times change, traditions evolve, it's long overdue for Phil to be retired She says it's a prey species. Groundhogs actively avoid humans, and being in close proximity to the public causes these animals great stress. When Phil is dragged out of his hole and held up to flashing lights and crowds, he has no idea what's happening. Being relegated to a library habitat for the other days of the year doesn't allow him or the other groundhog there to dig, burrow, or forage. It's no kind of life for these animals. But she has a solution, Jim. Use technologically advanced electromechanical devices such as animatronics instead of live animals. We even have technology to create an animatronic groundhog with artificial intelligence that could actually predict the weather. So the letter goes on and on. And Jim, obviously, the reason we love the Groundhog Day is to get an accurate weather forecast. You know, I don't know the Groundhog Day is necessarily the cultural event uh, or the hill we want to die on. But later in the letter here, Ingrid Newtkirk says that basically young people don't care about it anymore if it's uh, not on their phone. They think this sort of thing is hokey. But uh, somehow, Jim, the biggest issue for PETA these days is the fact that the world's most pampered rodent is uh, being mistreated.
1: So, Greg, my first question is, does PETA ever give New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio any grief about this stuff? Not that I've ever seen. I mean, everybody who has not killed a groundhog, take one step forward. Not so fast, Mr. Mayor. My first thought is when it comes to taking care of groundhogs, we have one very high profile, in my mind, notorious example of a, a groundhog day ceremony going terribly wrong and killing the groundhog. And this, nobody ever seems to talk about this other than you and I, Greg. Um, but the second example is like, okay, I don't, I think an AI or holographic or any of these high tech options. Strike me as pretty ridiculous, Greg, but I'll make one exception. As I said, Bill de Blasio, you know, is kind of a Groundhog Day serial killer. <laughs> what if, instead of like the idea of an animatronic one, we met them halfway. Yes, Greg, I'm talking about, what if we had a robo-groundhog? <laughs> we all know that Officer Murphy had real problems trying to clean up the streets of Detroit. Or I should say old Detroit, but I'm fairly certain that the brilliant minds at Omniconsumer Products... <laughs> Can take any groundhog, even one who has been badly injured or maimed by Bill de Blasio, and simply add cybernetic parts and full capabilities. So not only will its forecast abilities be better, not only will it have a better ability to know whether or not we're going to get six more weeks of winter, but it can fully defend itself from the Bill de Blasios of the world who want to see these groundhogs suffer and die, so... That's my idea. That's that's my that's my proposal. That is my halfway meet point to uh, to PETA. I think the proposal is ridiculous. But if we did have cybernetic groundhogs all over the landscape, I think that would be kind of cool and or mildly dystopian.
0: Do we go full open carry for the groundhogs? Are there gun control measures here? What, how are they armed to fight folks like de Blasio?
1: My attitude is always you know, RoboCop had an impressive gun. We all know the only thing that stops a bad groundhog with a gun is a good groundhog with a gun. So I'm perfectly fine with that. If others, if you want to have some sort of like cybernetic laser system or something, at the very least, the cybernetic limbs of the groundhog should be much, much stronger and capable of breaking human bone. Though that would be my assumption of it.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. The biggest hurdle is no fingers.
1: We can build them. Yes,
0: yes exactly. The technology is clearly there. You're right about this. So uh, this, could, this could be interesting because this could pit PETA against the gun grabbers and that would be a really fun battle to watch. <laughs>
1: So, I think I know which side I'm betting on. (laughs) I mean, one side just by itself is going to have, you know, probably not as much agility due to low protein.
0: In any event, good to get a laugh after a long week. Uh, Jim, actually, it's not the end of the week. We still have one more day. Darn it, it's only Thursday. Anyway, see you tomorrow.
1: See
0: you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Karambis of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Have a great Thursday, and we'll see you again on Friday. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice review. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.